0: The game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Overtime Open Line is brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Now, from the Osmond
1: Auctions Broadcast Centre, Reed, Reed Wilkins, Wilkins on, on Oilers, Oilers Radio, Radio,
0: 630 Chad.
1: Just when you think the Edmonton Oilers might have figured something out, they come out with an absolute stinker. They are dominated this afternoon at Rogers Place, Detroit taking it 4 nothing. The Wings scored early and never looked back as the Oilers never really threatened to get back into the game. Peter Mrazek with the shutout this afternoon as the Oilers are shut out for the first time this season. They drop to 4-8 and 1 on the season. They are 3 and 6 on home ice, and they have yet to win back-to-back games. We're 13 games into the season. This is not a poor start. This is not isolated. This is a problem for the Oilers. And here's their head coach Todd McLellan. Uh, do you think your team's fast enough?
2: Do I think our team is fast enough? Yeah. Lots- well, we're, we're not playing fast enough. I don't know if that answers your question. We're, um, you know, when you describe fast, you think about Connor flying down the wing and, and beating somebody one-on-one, that's fast. But the, the group has to play fast as a whole. And uh, we're, we're not quick enough to lose pucks. We don't keep a lot of plays alive in the offensive zone. Um, some of that's actual skating pace. A lot of that's just reading and reacting. Um, and I don't think we defend quick enough. Our penalty kill isn't, isn't reacting fast enough. Our power play doesn't react quick enough. There's plays there, and a lot of these open nets that are laying there, we're just a fraction slow on uh, on firing the puck so yeah we got to play faster. Todd what was most disappointing after a couple of games where your game seemed to get rounded out a bit what was most disappointing tonight? Well the, the end result um obviously but there's a lot that goes into that and I think you're asking me more about that than the than the score I didn't think we had a lot of energy um, You know, we had some admirable performances uh, by guys that are are probably a little further down in the lineup tonight. Thought they played well, but we didn't have a lot of energy. Our bigger bodies didn't move around the rink real well. And, uh, you know, I thought that Detroit did a much better job of committing themselves to defending the important areas. Yeah, we had some chances. But they got sticks in on it. They got bodies in on it. Um, You know, a couple of their opportunities were vacating the zone already. And... uh, that's not going to do it. We've got to defend first and score second, and we're not doing either right now. When you're down in games, you often go to McDavid quite a bit. That wasn't the case in the second. He was just over five, and then less than that in the third. Uh, why was the ice time down? And, and you thought- well, I didn't think they were having a real good night. And, and When you ask about an individual specifically, I'll turn it into a line. and. Um, you know, obviously they've played, uh, of our 13 games, they've probably been one of our top lines, uh, you know, in 11 of those games and they carry the team. And some nights they're going to have an off night. Uh, I didn't think they were particularly um, as strong as they've been in the past. I thought Latestu's line was uh, perhaps our best with Pack and Cass and they got a little bit more ice time, especially after it became 4 nothing. You know the
3: numbers surrounding American Thanksgiving and where you need to be in the standings and all that. You've studied that before, I'm sure. Uh, no, I've heard of them. You guys are uh, playing 333 hockey here, and it's right around the corner. How concerned are you? How worried are you about this club right now?
2: Well, uh, my concern level hasn't changed since I think you asked me this question about 10 days ago. Um, You don't get... To participate in in um, April or late April, early May hockey at 3:33. It's as simple as that. Like, you sure don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure that out. And uh, the uh, the effect of uh, of losses accumulating also plays on the mentality of the team and the group and uh, the belief system. We worked hard for two years to get it up, and uh, now it's being tested. So we've got to put some performances together. Can you talk to uh, three or four aspects of this? One is I think most people came to the rink tonight off that last game expecting this team to kind of grab this one by the throat and get two wins together. And uh, that body language tonight, uh, you know, seemed to speak the opposite to that. And can you also uh, react to the, you know, it's hard to criticize a goaltender when you don't score any goals, but uh, he hasn't been giving you any wins as such. No, I, I guess there's a few parts to that question. And first of all, the expectations of coming in and, and maintaining a little bit of uh, um, traction that we got from uh, the game the other night. I expected that as well. And uh, they score one early, they get another one real quick, and it felt like uh, it deflated a lot of our group. Um, one, you have to give the opposition credit, too. I thought they played a tremendous game. They checked well. Um, they did those things. The the goaltender part of it, um, you know, Cam is, is working hard, just like the rest of uh, a lot of our group, and sometimes it doesn't go his way. Kayla Yamamoto played his ninth game. Any decisions yet? Is he going on the road trip? Well, that's, you know, we just finished the game. He, he had a pretty good night. Uh, that'll be something that uh, the management group and uh, sure he'll we'll be included in it. Uh, we'll find out a little bit more over the next bit. He was better though tonight, obviously. Yeah, he was. He, uh, he you know, he played a better game tonight than he was uh, in the past three that he participated in. He was one of our quicker forwards, I thought, tonight.
1: Okay. All right, that's Oilers head coach Todd McClellan for GCL Diesel, serving oil country for 45 years with genuine diesel parts at wholesale prices. A very disappointing afternoon for the Oilers. They lose 4 nothing to the Detroit Red Wings. Thanks a lot for joining us at 458. I'm Reed Wilkins along with our Inside the Game analyst, Rob Brown. And, and I think one of the, the key things from there, Rob, and we saw it very early in the game, uh, Of he said no energy. And this was a, a very unenergetic performance by the Oilers, especially in the wake of a game where you you think they'd be excited to play coming off that win over New Jersey?
4: Well, I think part of it it was the early goal against. I thought the first couple shifts, the Oilers did have a little bit of energy. They got pucks in deep. They had the Red Wings running around in their own zone. And then what was a play that I thought they defended quite well that turned into a goal, the first goal, there was a huge deflation on the bench. And Detroit felt that, and they got a momentum switch. And all of a sudden, they're coming forward, and they're pushing the pace. And then they get the second goal, and that one was the one that Todd referred to as is cheating and going on the offense before the defense was taken care of. And that one was on, on Connor McDavid. He he swung away from the puck and then left Greiba and Russell in a three-on-two situation right by the goal, goal net, and Detroit took advantage of that. And, now, and you and I have talked about it many times. Trailing in a hockey game early does not spell success in in this league if you give up the first goal you're in trouble you give up the first two you're in big trouble and the Oilers found that and once they were down two the the emotion and the energy level was was very low and this game was still there for the taking Detroit is it's not a powerhouse like they have been in the past they have a two nothing lead but they did squander a, a few odd man breaks and the Oilers a couldn't capitalize on their chances and b didn't get near enough chances against a goaltender, a backup goaltender who was pressed into the situation possibly because uh, their, their starter left for a day or two to go to do some family business. So uh, it was not near good enough. Uh, it could have ended this homestand on a good note. Instead, it sends them into a road trip, uh, you know, with, with a lack of confidence.
1: Yeah, I mean, the Oilers start with nine of their first thirteen at home and they go three and six on home ice. And, and I mean that's they they squandered that three game homestand earlier. They they come out in this one. Big win against Dallas. They fight back in the third period. Good back and forth game. All right. Washington you you let it slip away in the third period. Pittsburgh you play pretty well. Special teams don't cash in in the third. Pittsburgh does. You lose, it wasn't a disaster and then you play a pretty good game against the Devils and then you let this one go tonight and and Rob I mean you, you know what it's like in the NHL. Good teams have good home records. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you maybe you go 21-14 or 7 or something like that at home. Great teams have Excellent home records. You win 26, 28, 30 at home out of your 41 games. I mean, the Oilers already
4: just a, th- a 3 and 6 on home ice. Well, that's almost a quarter of their home games are gone. That's a good point. And the Oilers only got six points out of that. And when, when we looked at the October schedule and the beginning of the season schedule, the Oilers had a pretty favorable schedule. A bunch of home games, uh, a number of games against teams that were outside of the playoff 16 last year. And you're expecting, okay, they're going to get off to a good start to, to, to set the tone for the year, and they haven't. And uh, I, I think it was Terry Jones was asking the question with Todd McClellan. The, about the body language. And the body language for the others wasn't good tonight. Mm-hmm. And it, it did look deflated. And this was a team, when they were on their game, and we use it a lot, was swagger. They they had swagger. They had confidence. They knew that no matter what the score was going late into a hockey game, they were going to win. If they had the lead, you weren't going to get a goal against them. If they were tied or they were just down one, they were going to come back. There was going to be a bounce for them. There was going to be a power play opportunity. They're going to take advantage of it. And again, tonight, they had an early opportunity on the power play to set the tone for the game too they don't take advantage of that and actually take a penalty against and then a silly penalty late in the hockey game the yep. game i mean the game might have been out of reach but you just don't take penalties like that with zach Cassian and then what happens take a silly penalty and you get scored on again so specialty teams were they lost that battle tonight goaltending they lost that battle tonight detroit's better players were better than the oilers better players all that spells uh, a dismal uh, game for the Oilers to 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 end a a, a home stand that wasn't that good as well.
1: Four nothing. Detroit takes it. The Oilers killed off one of two penalties their penalty killing slips even further 67.4 percent on the season they were 0 for 2 on the power play the power play is 14.6 percent so obviously the special teams continue to be a story for all the wrong reasons and it, uh, it's it's going to take a lot of work to pull them up 780-496-0063 is how you can reach us we'll start off the phone calls with fred this afternoon Hi, Fred. Go ahead.
5: Yeah, hey, how's it going, boys? You know what? One word for this team right now: discombobulated. They look awful out there, and you know what? They have one good game, but one good game doesn't make a season. What's the stat by American Thanksgiving of
1: teams making the playoffs?
4: <laughs> yeah, I,
1: yeah, it's like uh, it's like nine percent or yeah, something like it's that. It's very
4: yeah. rare for a team that's outside the playoff picture at the. American Thanksgiving to end up making the playoffs and the Oilers right now are obviously on the outside looking in
5: so what has to be done power plays awful penalty kills awful efforts awful Uh, we're only a month into the season and this is already happening especially the expectations for this year you know what, this is, I don't know, I'm dumbfounded at the moment. Like, I watched the game today, 4 nothing. I know Mazda played good, but it seems like every goalie's having a stellar game against the Oilers so far. they got to get that power play going, or else you're not going anywhere this year. I don't know what they're going to do. They missed Secura more than I thought they would, but uh, what do you do? Where do you go from here?
1: Yeah, thanks, Fred. Well, I th- that's going to be the big question, and, and I don't... I mean, like I said off the top of the show, this is, this is no longer a small sample size. This is no longer a, a bad start to the season. 13 games is a significant chunk of the season. Um, they're going to have to keep working on on the special
4: teams. Um, I mean, the one the, good thing, they're, they're better now. They're not taking a lot of penalties. So that's, that sure. helps their penalty killing. But when they do, I mean, again, tonight, it's... I mean the Detroit Red Wings. I don't know where they are in the standings for for power play. Coming in, they were.
1: I got the note here. Coming in, they were tied for 24th, so, so they actually so, weren't that good.
4: So not that great yet. They move the puck around and they get and, and the the power play goals that are getting scored against them. I mean, it's one thing if there's a high tip and it's a great play. Sure. But this was uh, Mantha standing in the crease by himself, wide open net. I mean, the, these there's there's breakdowns obviously that are allowing uh, relatively. Uh, Easy goals uh, when you're killing a penalty and the Oilers have certainly got to fix that especially going on the road trip now I mean it's it's much harder playing on the road every year you just look at the records it's harder to win on the road and they're going on the road right now with a lack of confidence uh, a, a poor power play and an awful penalty kill Something's gotta click for them, something's gotta change and it's gotta I know that Todd talked about I know Bob and Jack talked about it too. It's gotta to come from within their dressing room. Help isn't on the way.
1: Yeah, I, I think we should we should touch on that. That and I, I know Elliot Friedman was talking on Bob's show on, on Friday on Oilers Now about get, can you get somebody on the wing. And Elliot said the GMs and GMs always talk. They're always yep. in touch. There's always there's always rumors that which are probably varying degrees of truth behind all of them. Um, could the Oilers make a trade? Yes. Do I expect it to be a blockbuster? I would doubt it, though we'll get to one, a pretty big one we saw in the NHL this afternoon. I mean, somebody called in and and, and after the Oilers lost to Pittsburgh and said, well, trade Nugent Hopkins for Max Pacioretty. Well, if you do that, you might be filling one need, but you're creating another hole. So it's, it's tough at this time of year. I think when you say from within, Maybe maybe there's a call-up. Maybe Eslie Puljuhavi comes up. Maybe you reward Ty Ratty from the minors for scoring th- four goals in his last two games. I mean, he had a hat trick the other night for the Condors and scored again yesterday. That might be where it starts, just to sh- just to shake something up and put somebody in there with a with a different energy or a different outlook. Because you, you talked about the body language. Rob and, and, and Todd was asked about it. We've talked about them not being able to build any sort of positive momentum. I mean, they have had they have had good games, mm-hmm. but one, one in a row yeah. <laughs> isn't even in a row. It's, it's not a streak of any kind. So I, I think, I know this probably isn't what people want to hear, but I think they will almost be forced to look internally first.
4: Yeah, I agree, but having a Ty Ratty or a Pugliarvi come up is, is not...
1: Well, I know it's not a it's, major it's move. It's not a
4: major move, and it, it, so that's why it's got to come within the dressing room they have right here. I mean, the, the, the Lucic has to be better. Uh, their top line has to be better. Even today, Nugent Hopkins, Strom. All, I mean, these guys have to be better. So bringing up a, a Ratty, I mean, a little energy boost, bringing up Pugliarvi, maybe a little bit of uh, offensive flair on, on the wing, but those, if that's the only thing that's causing the Oilers to lose right now, I'm sure that that would have been made earlier. There's bigger problems here right now than having a minor league player come up oh, for sure. and, and fix it. So uh, this team is not playing near as well as it's capable of playing. Um, and until they get their players going you know, uh, consistently, because there's been flashes, even in the games they've lost, there's been flashes in those games where they have taken control of the game yet the the execution and the detail hasn't been as strong and has has been as good as it was last year when they were having success
1: well and they' they I didn't think their top guys were, were nope. good today the number one line the number one line really didn't have a good scoring chance till the second period and then they were pretty pretty limited
4: no it, it was probably their their weakest game of the season for the top line and and like we Bob and Jack were saying and Todd mentioned in his his post game. That line has been dominant in 11 of the 13 games. They've been by far their best line. There are going to be off nights, and tonight was an off night. And unfortunately, what we've seen, with other than last game, when the top line doesn't score, the depth scoring hasn't been there at all. And we saw that again tonight. The top line wasn't there, and the Oilers get zero goals.
1: Four nothing. Detroit takes it seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have Joanne on the line. Hey Joanne, go ahead. Hello. Hello.
5: Hi. How are you?
1: Doing okay.
6: Okay, um, I just hope that um, there is something in the dressing room that they can fix because I'd hate for these players to have problems and have uh, Todd McClellan um, dismissed.
4: Yeah, I, I don't think they're near there. I understand what you're saying, and, and I agree with you. I don't think they're anywhere near that right now. Uh, but I, I, I do know that this is this right now falls on the leadership in the dressing room. And every team goes through adversity at some point. And, and the success of a season uh, usually is how you uh, overcome the adversity, how you come out of the adversity and become a better and stronger team. And that right now is what the Oilers have to find. They, they didn't face a whole lot of adver- adversity last year, uh, especially as the season progressed. Everything seemed to start going well for them. Everything they touched turned to gold. This year they're facing a little more adversity. And, and they got to find a way to, to rally around it and come out on the other side a better hockey club. So hopefully that's uh, that's what they're going to do in this dressing room. Their leaders are going to stand up, hold each other accountable, and have a, a strong road trip.
1: Oilers lose 4 nothing to Detroit. Uh, nothing for the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation today. Booster Juice donates $25 every time the Oilers score. Booster Juice and Oasis, a freshness in a fast-paced world. You can follow the total on the Oilers page on 630chad.com. Rob, uh, I mean, we were talking about hand, uh, you know handling some adversity and some confidence, and a, a very limited part of the game. The first two or three minutes were okay for the Oilers. Franz Nielsen scores a beauty tip. I mean, oh. that, that shot's going way wide, and he knifes his his stick out, and that's one of those. If it's if it's on net, if it doesn't hit the goalie, it's it's going in. Yes. So. You know, we've talked about it before. Other teams are going to make good plays. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you will just flat out get beaten by by a good play. But what was to me, it wasn't so disappointing that goal was scored. It was disappointing to me as the orders kind of quickly quickly wilted after that. I mean, I mean, it's it's not even three and a half minutes into the game. Okay, you got. Like Todd has said, you got fifty seven minutes to to win the game. You don't have to win it in the first period. But that seemed to really rattle them today.
4: I, I agree. And you know, and I'm sitting up in the in the press box or watching, and everything's to our right for the first few minutes of the hockey game as, as the Red Wings can't figure a way to get the puck out. And every time they did get the puck out, it was just icing it or flipping it out because they couldn't make two passes because the others were quick on them. The forecheck was good. And they got that out, and all of a sudden, it, and it was a beautiful goal. It was a smart play by the defenders shooting the puck wide. It was a, a good play by Nielsen getting his stick there. And there's a, a whole bunch of luck that comes into that goal as well. Nielsen could stand there 100 for 100 shots from the point and 95 of them are going to miss the net and the other four are going to hit the goalie in the chest. That one goes in. So it was a great play. And the Oilers were in good defensive positioning so they got scored on without making a mistake. Yet they did wilt. They, they deflated. And what a, a team that is confident does they're on the bench, next shift comes out, let's push forward again, guys. Well, you know what, we we started well, that was just a, a bad break, it was a good goal, but let's push. Uh, they didn't do that, and the Detroit Red Wings rode the wave, and they're like, okay, you know what, this is going to be our night. That was a whole great goal, and they started pushing, and then they got the next goal, and it was on a, a mental mistake. The others, uh, McDavid gets beat to the net, uh, but the Oilers, Russell and Greiby, do a good job, enough job, and they don't get a shot against. puck goes behind the net, and McDavid turns, and he starts going on offense. He thought that Russell was going to get control of the puck, but the puck was bouncing. And as soon as he did that, now the Oilers are in trouble. It's a three-on-two. No other forward came down to for support. And Nyquist ends up wide open in front of the net and no chance for the the Oilers. Now they're down 2-0, and now they're in a big, big trouble. And we didn't see that push again from the Edmonton Oilers. There wasn't a time where you thought, you know what, if they get one in this shift here, they're going to go into the intermission down 2-1 and feel good about themselves. They never got that shift, that push, and they never got the great opportunity. So it it was a disappointing night, and I'm sure that... uh, the team going home tonight is going to be. You know what? We would let one slip away tonight uh, against the Detroit team that had been struggling.
1: Four nothing. Detroit wins it. We'll get more of your phone calls in a couple of minutes. But let's go back downstairs for GCL Diesel, serving oil country for 45 years with genuine diesel parts at wholesale prices. Here's Captain Connor McDavid.
3: Connor,
7: in your eyes, kind of what was the what was the big step backwards tonight? Yeah, I just weren't good enough. Um, you know, it came out and. Um, you know didn't have a terrible start. They kind of got a lucky one and the second one definitely uh, could have avoided and um, you know, they uh, just can get ourselves back in the game.
8: Do you, Do you guys have the sense that maybe some people outside the room have that like the season's in real danger of getting away from them
7: for good already? I'm not paying attention to that. It doesn't matter what other people think. It doesn't matter what the uh, media or the fans think. Uh, it just matters how we feel in the room.
2: Did you go into after every
6: game you lose just scratch your head and what's happened between uh, last year's playoff
7: and now?
3: Pretty
7: much the same team. Yeah, um, I don't think there's any head scratching, mean, we just thought it'd have to be better.
3: You said, uh, you didn't play that much in the third, which is very rare for you in a game trailing you used to play a lot. A new experience for you, what do you make of
7: it? Um, you know what, I, I, uh, I don't really know what to say. Um, you know, we, the game is kind of out of reach, and um, well, obviously you don't like it, but um, it's not very much fun to, to sit on the bench, but um. where it feel like there were parts
3: of your game that could have been better tonight,
7: Connor. For sure. It. Yeah, for sure. Just uh, responsible defensively. That's, uh, you know, obviously uh, first and foremost. Okay, thanks. NACU. Thank you. Great. That's Connor McDavid.
1: All right, Brendan Ulrich working in the Oilers dressing room, and McDavid played 15:55, which is... Unheard of that he would play that uh, little in a game, but clearly he wasn't getting out there uh, as much in the in the second half of the game as Detroit storms past the Oilers, for nothing. And you know he's I, I don't mind him. I mean that's that's true. You can't worry too much about what other people are, are saying, but there have to be as, as you alluded to, Rob. There have to be some solutions from inside the dressing room, whether it's accountability, guys working out of slumps. Because you know, four eight and one is, is you're only ahead of one team in the entire conference and it took that team almost a month to win a game. That was Arizona. So uh I look we're not gonna sit here and proclaim anything done one way or the other, but you can't just kinda keep in these doldrums for much longer.
4: No, you you, you can't. Um and you're not gonna say publicly what needs to change and you're not going to rant or you're not going to point fingers or you're, you're going to try and continue to stay positive and it, and it gets tough it's it's tough so he's, the, he's the face of the franchise and every time uh, win or lose people are going to the media is going to him and the same questions are asked time and time again when your team is in a, a streak that they're in and frustration comes in and you've got to do as, as good a job as you can to, to answer the questions and, and put as positive a, a uh, a spin on it as you can uh, but this team is not playing anywhere near where they need to be I, I thought they had a good road trip when they went out last time when they went one one and one and easily could have won all three games and then I'm thinking okay they're coming back they got five at home um, a couple good teams coming in and a couple teams that they should be but a, a four and one record on home ice and then back on the road trip again and they're on their way and it, it wasn't good enough and I think that the what you got with the city and the media. When they they lose, this is the end. There's no way they're making the playoffs. They're too far out. And when they win a game, it's like, oh, well, now they're back. I I think that this team has to find it within themselves, the consistency, because they've shown no consistency at all this season. It's been uh, uh, a poor start, and they need quickly to get in the right direction because I don't believe in the whole has to be in a playoff spot by the Thanksgiving. But you start looking at it helps and you start looking at percentages and the number of teams that you gotta hop over. And there's teams that are ahead of the Oilers right now that are badly beat up that are going to get better mm-hmm. when they get healthy. Yep. And if they're staying ahead of the Oilers now, wait till they get healthy and start going in the right direction themselves.
1: Four nothing Detroit crushing the Oilers this afternoon. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have Will on the open line. Hey Will welcome to the show.
5: How you doing guys? doing well. A couple of points
3: I wanted to make. Uh, I think the team uh, I guess it falls on the coach that the players don't seem to be motivated a whole lot and they're kind of disjointed or whatever. Uh, the effort's not there so that's up to the coach to motivate one and I think we need more help on defense. Uh, I think Benning, guys like that are miscasts and they can't carry the load, and we can't use the Sekara excuse. I mean, although uh, he helps the team, but I think it's uh, motivation is quite low. I think, in my mind, in my, uh, I've been watching the game, so I just wanted to make that comment and
5: have a good evening. Thank you.
1: Yeah, we appreciate it. Well, uh, good points, and I think uh, good points to talk about. The motivation one is an interesting, Rob, and you and you played in the NHL, and I know that's one that. That, that comes up a lot uh, who, whose job is it to motivate the players so what, what can a coach do what can a coaching staff do how much is a players or an individual player taking it on himself Uh, i mean you've been there you've you've been well you were mostly on good teams you might have been on a couple bad teams but how how do you look on that in terms of uh in terms of motivation the source of the motivation
4: i i i don't think this is on the coaching staff for motivating a team this is a team that knows what they need to do i think a coaching staff is there to prepare a team to have them put in the best positions to have success Uh, i i don't think when, when we played, we didn't need a coach to come in and tell you, know what, you guys got to really work hard today because if you don't, you're not going to win and, and pump you up. I mean, the players did that themselves. Every team has catalysts on their team that are the, the drivers uh, motivationally in a dressing room, and, and they're the ones that get you going. But most players know how to get themselves going. Uh, this There are coaches that have shelf, li- shelf lives and eventually they wear out their welcome because they are so hard on the players. And, you know, a Mike Keenan is an example. A Ken Hitchcock is an example. They're, the de- demands for those coaches eventually weigh on the players too much, and, and they move on. Tom McCullen's not a, a coach that is like that. He's not a, a coach that has a shelf life. Obviously, you saw how long he was in San Jose and, and the success they had in the standings year after year. So this one isn't on a coaching staff, and this is the same coaching staff that... Took them to, you know, minutes away from from moving on into the semifinals of the National Hockey League playoffs last year. And here we are 13 games really later. Uh, So I don't think in those 13 games things have changed that much. This is a team that uh, is lacking confidence. I I do believe it's lacking speed. I think the, the loss of Sekera has hurt them. I think that uh, a number of players, in reality, are just underachieving from where they need to be.
1: 4 nothing. Detroit wins this afternoon. More of your calls, more post-game reaction coming up. This is Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre.
0: Live from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre, this is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio, 6.30 chair.
1: Off the draw, Buckerinen slugs it into the offensive zone. The Oilers attacking from left to right, trying to climb back in this one. Jammed in off the top of the net from Zach Cassian. It hopped off the pads of Morozic, and then a drive whistled high and wide by Oscar Kleppbaum, and it's been that kind of afternoon. Cassian got the puck airborne by jamming it off the left skate of Morozic. All right, that's the save of the game for Armor Insurance. Protect your car, home, and business with Armor at armorinsurance.ca. Peter Morazic gets the shutout for Detroit. He's also the first star of the game, making 36 saves. Cam Talbot, the loss with 31 stops. Martin Furk the second star, and Anthony Mantha, the third star. Rob and I always pick an oiler for the fourth star of the game for Missioner Allen Auctioneering. Check out maauctions.com for industrial and automotive sale dates. I'll say, uh, despite the penalty, I'll give it to Zach, Cassie, and Rob. Okay. Do we... You don't need to spend time on that? Nope. Much time, a team that got shut out? Nope. We, we, we pick an Oiler, win or lose. So there we go. It's Zach Cassian this afternoon. 4 0 Detroit in control throughout this afternoon at Rogers Place. The Oilers are 4 8 and 1 on the season. 780 496 0063. We have Rob, a caller named Rob, standing by on the line to talk to Robin Reed. Go ahead. Hey, how are you doing? Doing okay?
6: Awesome. I'll make it short and sweet. Just a couple things. It's probably not going to be popular, but uh, number one, um, what's going on with Talbot? Like, I saw like when he's playing the puck in the back there, and then he came forward and uh, realized he didn't have it, and then he actually bumped even himself into the into his own crossbar. Uh, He almost looked like he's been drinking or something. Like it was just—I mean, obviously not—but I mean, it just like he just looks totally out of sorts um i am not blaming this thing on him at all but he just does not look right um number 2 uh and this is totally not going to be popular but i really think we need a big shake up and it's not about a trade i i i don't, I don't i'm totally with you guys I don't, I don't i can't see a trade uh that's going to help us especially in our predicament and and, and where we're sitting but um i This is what I really think, is that if I'm Shirelli, I'd be like, okay, Todd, um, you need to can, or I don't know, or maybe he does it, but I think the special team guys need to be gone. Like, those guys he brought from San Jose need to be gone. There needs to be some sort of message sent to that room, and I think there needs to be a wake-up call because there's, like, it's, I don't know what's going on there. But it's not good, and w- like when we see Drysaddle and McDavid um, running around, floating around, like it's something's not right. Anyway, yeah, I'll leave, you, I'll, I'll, I'll leave you with that. But on a positive note, I, I'm totally about. Uh, I, I thought that was catchy. His best game of the year, bar none. I think he was trying to do everything he can do to, to move this team. Yeah, he
1: he played better today for for sure. Well, I, I like I, I don't know if there are going to be any changes to the to the coaching staff, uh, uh, Rob. But uh, with caller Rob there, and uh, you know with Talbot, he was uh, he was excellent last year. He was up there in the top. He was one of the top five goalies yep. in the league if you look at stats or Vezina voting. Uh, most of the nights this year the other goalie has been at least a little bit better mm-hmm. um, than Talbot now I don't pin this on him I mean a couple of the goals were wide open guys but uh, but uh, yeah I mean it's it's one of that's another area another player where you're saying we we've seen better uh, Whether it's a lot or a little, we've seen
4: better. Well, what happened last year is the number of players had career years, Talbot being obviously one of them and probably the the biggest one, and the bar was set. And now your expectations are they're going to reach that bar each and every time they step on the ice. And Talbot, we watched last year, there was games where the Oilers were, were badly outplayed, and you didn't think there was a chance the Oilers could lose because there was nothing getting by Talbot. And he was making saves that he shouldn't have made. Now in today's game, I, I don't I'm looking at thinking of the four goals. There was I don't think he had a chance in any of the four goals that were scored tonight. But last year somehow those those pucks hit him. You know the the first goal that got deflected in, he has absolutely no chance on that. That puck's going five yep. feet wide, ten feet wide, and it goes in. But somehow last year it hit him, and this year those ones uh, ha- thus far haven't hit him. They they've gone in the net and. Uh, We've, there were a couple misplays that, that we saw this year, or tonight, excuse me, tonight in the game behind the net. He, he tried moving the puck and missed it, and then there was a, a long shot that actually went under his pad and behind him. It, it still went wide. Those are things that you you don't normally see from Cam Talbot. So I, I would think that he, along with everyone else in this team tonight, would probably like a, a redo on this hockey game. So it, when you lose 4-0 to the Detroit Red Wings on home ice, it's not one or two things that went wrong. There's a number of things that had to have gone wrong, and I don't know if there's anybody in the dressing room that could stand up after the game and say, you know what, that was one of my better games.
1: Oilers lose 4-0. More of your phone calls after a quick news break. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre.
9: ...motive though in what's become the deadliest mass shooting in the state's history. Back to Edmonton now where a cyclist is dead following an early morning hit and run. Police say the 38-year-old man died in hospital after being struck by a dark-colored vehicle around 2 o'clock this morning near 111th Avenue and 96th Street. The victim's name is being withheld with police asking for help identifying and locating both the vehicle and its driver. Well, There was a heartfelt farewell for Saskatchewan Premier Brad Wall today, who will leave office in January. He wiped back tears after Saskatchewan party members paid tribute to him during the party's annual convention in Saskatoon. Over 600 delegates were present at the auditorium for the tribute. And the federal government is looking at a way to fund social programs without a risk for taxpayers. One group of experts is considering whether a niche should be carved out of the tax system to unlock billions in private cash. The money could help the homeless get off the street or boost the incomes of Indigenous peoples. What makes the approach attractive to governments is that it shifts the financial risk from taxpayers to investors in the delivery of social programs. 6.30 6.30 Ched weather. The temperature dips to minus 17 overnight with a slight chance of flurries. Mainly sunny tomorrow with a high of minus 6. It's minus 8 with a wind chill of minus 11. Breaking news when it happens. Your next report is at 6 o'clock. I'm Thomas Dias. News on demand at 630Ched.com.
3: This report brought to you by Jet Set Parking. Save 30% on airport parking. Use promo code PROMISE at JetSetParking.com.
0: Live from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime
1: Open Line on Oilers Radio. 630 Chair. All right, rough one for the Oilers. They are soundly beaten 4-0 by the Detroit Red Wings. No Japanese Village goal light today. We turn it on on 630 chetcom slash Oilers whenever they score five or more in a game, which they did in their two wins on this homestand. Then you can print up a coupon for a free appetizer to Japanese Village, three locations in Edmonton, downtown, south side, and north side. Just four games in the NHL today as we look at the Advantage Trailer Rentals scoreboard. Nick Letty, a couple of goals. Jordan Eberle has scored the Islanders all over the Avalanche 5-1. No score early, Canadians and Blackhawks. Now, uh, Matt Duchesne from the Avalanche leaving that game. He gets traded to Ottawa in a three-way deal. The Predators get Kyle Turris and uh, the Avalanche get Andrew Hammond and uh, three draft picks and three prospects as well. And to quickly break that down, we bring on Oilers now host and Oilers uh, analyst on 630 Jet, Bob Stoffer. Bob, thanks for coming on. I mean, the Duchesne trade has been uh, speculated on for a long time, finally happens this afternoon.
3: Yeah, absolutely. All right, so Terrace gets a six-year extension. duchesne has got two years left in his deal. There's no way Pierre Dorian doesn't do that deal if he doesn't think he can get him extended. The Andrew Hammond portion, that's a contract and salary dump on behalf of Ottawa. That would have increased uh, what Ottawa had to give up in terms of the uh, first and third, plus Bowers, who's a former first-rounder, and then the two prospects from Nashville, plus the second. So Joe Sackick did pretty good here, uh, but make no mistake, I have the firm belief that you'll see Matt Duchesne re-signed by the Ottawa Senators because, in my mind, there's no way Pierre Dorian would give up basically what amounts to two number ones and a three for a, a rental, even if it's one for just two, uh, two years. And you know what, guys? This reinforces the asset cost to get top line players. It costs to get guys during the season. They worked, you know, all three teams have worked on that deal for a while. I'm sure Rob would agree. I mean, you look at the overall haul for Colorado: a first, a second, a third, three prospects. Both Kavanaugh uh, as well as Gerard are good prospects for. Uh, Colorado. Obviously, Bowers is a first rounder. Uh, That is a substantial return for Matt Duchesne. So, a lot of moving parts and again, it just shows you how much it costs to step up and try to improve your team during the year.
4: Yeah, It was a trade that uh, made the Ottawa Senators better today. It's a trade that made the Nashville Predators better today. It's a a trade that made the Colorado Avalanche better in the future and that's what all three teams needed to be. So, uh, Nashville the team that the Oilers are going to be battling for, for a playoff spot just got significantly better as Kyle Turris is a very good hockey player.
3: Well, I got a right shot center. They got Johansson as well. So now, you know, they, they're basically sitting there with Johansson, Kyle Turris, and Nick Bonino down the middle. Uh, they were hurting a little bit down the middle. They've been off to a slow start. And the Ottawa Senators also had a price point in mind on a Turris extension, and they weren't prepared to go six times six. So that's part of the equation here. Uh, but I do think they're prepared to do that in Duchenne. I think they think Duchenne's got a higher uh, offensive uh, upside. should be mentioned, too, Ryan Johansson, represented by Kurt Overhart, the same man who represents Kyle Turrett, and he is a notorious tough negotiator. And now the National Predators have both those guys and deals done with both of them as well. So, obviously, David Poyle and uh, Benton and Paul Fenton and the group in Nashville have got a pretty good relationship uh, with turnover Overhart, because he's not the easiest guy to cut deals with.
4: How about Bob? For a number of years, the National Predators was a team that got rid of players. They couldn't afford players, and over the last few years, have they ever changed it around? Now they're going out and acquiring top-end players and paying big money for them.
3: You build down the middle, right, Rob? And now, I mean, they, they're going to—they're missing Ryan Ellis on the back end, but their top four D when Ellis is back is as good as anybody and now they're even deeper at center than they were last year when they went to the Stanley Cup Final. They've made their team a lot better here by part with some assets, uh, and conversely, you look at Ottawa, they were there, right? They were in the Eastern Final last year, and they get a replay. I actually think Duchesne has a higher offensive upside uh, than uh, uh Duchesne might have a little bit more attitude at times than Taurus to play with. He needed to get out of Colorado, and Colorado just waved the white flag with that trade as well. but. I think they have to do it for their team. Difficult to do it during the game, and I think it's probably affected them a bit tonight
1: in Brooklyn. All right. Thanks, Bob. Really appreciate Anytime. you weighing yeah, in on that. Different. Yeah, big trade for sure. Doshane going to Ottawa. Our focus here is uh, the Oilers, a uh, miserable afternoon, quite frankly. They lose 4-0 to Detroit. We do have our finish-the-play contestant who's going to get an eight-day parking pass to JetSet U Park, brought to you by Jet Set Parking park cheap and easy. Visit jetsetparking.com. His name is Phil. Phil, before we get to that, you're on with Robin Reed. What's your thought of your question?
10: Uh, One of the biggest things that I've been noticing with the O's over the last little bit, and everyone has too, is the number of shots that they're taking per game. I mean, they're number one in the league in that. Um, But that's not enough anymore. Uh, Quite frankly, it comes down to the chances they take. And uh, this team doesn't really have a definitive top-line shooter, a guy who can pick the corners anytime he wants, you know, in, in, in good positioning in the, in the slot. Um, you've got a bunch of playmakers and power-forwards who their best game is spent crashing the net or making the play, and if McDavid and Drisaitl, or McDavid and insert player here, can't connect for that open-net play, we're seeing no goals. And I find all these third, fourth line, and I mean first and second line players, everybody really, up and down the lineup, are constantly shooting top-shelf with no screen, instead of shooting at the pads, shooting at the body, something, creating some kind of rebound so your banging players can pot a dirty goal. They just refuse to want to work for the dirty goal. They want the pretty play every time. Maybe it's just me.
1: Well, I I couldn't agree with you more that they they don't have an elite shooter who can just overwhelm the goalie with a shot now i'm not saying those guys are easy to come by but they haven't had that for a while and that and even though jordan Eberle was getting 20 most years why was he criticized that he wouldn't one time the puck he wouldn't just he wouldn't just fire well
4: it. and i also like what, what what the caller said too you got to go to your strengths and if your strength isn't being the the prolific goal scorer then you got to manufacture goals, and how do you do that? You put it in a spot where the goalie's going to make a rebound. Now it, it, it's hard to say, okay, don't shoot to score, but shoot it, put it far corner, shoot it low corner, try to go five hole, try to play, beat him other ways so that it creates offensive chances for for the players in front of that. But also the Oilers have to do a better job of getting in the blue paint. Yep. There's a number of times where players are coming down and they got a great chance to put the puck on net, but the goalie's seeing it, and the guys are off just to the side trying to tip it instead of getting in front of the goalie's eyes, I mean, there's a lot of things that aren't going right for the Edmonton Oilers right now. And I, the fans calling in and you and I up here talking about it, and Jack and Bob talking about it. I, I don't think it's the, the Oilers management, the Oilers coaching staff or the Oilers player are blind to what needs to be fixed. It's a matter of executing much better.
1: All right, Phil, you're going to finish the play here. What do you have for the clue, Kellen? Oilers look to counterattack, and a nice play by Yamamoto. Burst of speed to the middle, gets it back, quick shot, saved made by Mrazik, and that's his best work of the night, little give and go. All right, that's Kyler Yamamoto, played his ninth game today. He may be going back to what junior team in the Western Hockey League, Phil? Spokane, say Spokane. Say Spokane. Spokane, oh, what team? Spokane. Spokane Chiefs, there you go. Finish the play, another winner. Another winner. Excellent job. Phil, before we go back to the phone lines, the Detroit wins at 4 nothing. Their coach is Jeff Blaschel.
11: I was happy with our start. Um, that's the way we want to play hockey. I thought we got a little sloppy in the second, uh, uh, turning some pucks over, so we got to make sure we manage the puck, and then I thought in the third we did a pretty good job. Jeff, yeah,
7: kind of said this could be a building
10: block game in terms of... You guys demonstrated how well you can play and getting pucks deep and limiting
7: mistakes and such.
11: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's something we've we've been continually working on. I think we've uh, been continually building. Um, well, our guys have done a good job of uh, uh, understanding that we got to keep getting better every day. And I think, you know, how we need to play, I think our guys are bought into it. It's just a matter of, you know, c- kind of executing it on a, on, a, on a nightly basis. So we'll have another good challenge for us tomorrow. Gustav
7: Nykos, do you expect him tomorrow or...
11: I I would say right now it's day-to-day. I did not check with Pete to see the availability of tomorrow yet. Um, I, I just found out he wasn't coming back. So I don't think it's a long-term thing, but, but he might not be available tomorrow. Just the
2: Peters effort, too, after not having played in a couple weeks like that, really showed something tonight.
11: I thought he was excellent. Um, he made some saves point-blank on Connor McDavid. Um, we all know how good he is. Uh, Peter's put tons of work in both in the summer and in the moments when he hasn't been playing here in the, in the last bit. He's put tons of work in, he's improved his technique, uh, he was totally ready for this opportunity so that's great for Pete. Martin Ferg
7: looked like he was uh, ready, relieved to, to finally get get one there and then the assist too. I mean good to see him get back on the scoreboard.
11: Yeah you know Marty's been playing much better here the last couple games we've given him a little bit more ice time and I think he's uh, he's earned it and I think he's been playing better. He's a dangerous player and you know times we haven't had enough dangerous players out there and, and so um, you know I think it was great for him to score and I, I, I thought it was great for the power I mean that's how that power play is going to score is it's going to be a, a hard shot that you can't control and all of a sudden he puts a rebound in.
9: Did you just talk about
11: what you were trying to do oh. with the Do <laughs> You like that John? Well, we had a plan going in uh, to try to just figure out who they were going to match uh, McDavid against, and then have certain guys out there, and, and Glenny was going to be a part of whatever line that they were going to try to match against, and uh, um, you know, and so uh, it, 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 it kind of worked out in the first. Then he kind of went to a different match in the second. We kind of had to adjust, and then and then you, you also have 11 forwards, so then you got a lot of juggling to do at that point. So, but I thought all the guys that were out there against Connor did a real good job, whether. And it was a numerous guys, it could have been a number of guys and I thought they did a good job.
1: All right, that's Jeff Blashill from the Detroit Red Wings, their head coach, who had to make the adjustment of the game for Alberta's chiropractors. Life is the roughest game of all. Feel better, move better, live better. With help from your chiropractor, visit albertachiro.com. Gustav Nikes, who has scored a goal, and then you know, in a, was it uh, Lucici
4: collided with, or was it uh, Benning? I, actually, I didn't even see the, the injury. I just saw him leaving the game. He was hobbled, it Was a, had to be helped. Kind down, of
1: an and two guys turned into each other leg on leg, so uh, they lost a forward early in that game, but didn't slow down the Red Wings tonight, who handled the Weather's quite handily for nothing. The final at Rogers Place. We'll go to Max on the open line. Max, good to hear from you. Thanks for calling. Hello. Hello.
6: I, I was just uh, wondering, what uh, what are we doing for a penalty kill? Is it a triangle plus one?
4: Um. Honestly, I I, I don't know. I mean, there hasn't been enough penalties lately. To, to really get a real good gauge of what the other's doing there they're not taking many penalties unfortunately the the few that they take they've been beat up on uh, I, I think they're they're trying to be aggressive uh, they're trying to force plays quickly uh, the one thing that they they've struggled to do is get to block the cross-ice passes there's a number of passes that go through the box And when that happens, you're in trouble because you overload one side. If the puck goes through into the other side, then you're shorthanded on that side and the goaltender's coming all the way across. So that's been a bit of a problem for the Oilers. And on the the power play goal they had today, they were overloaded on one side. The puck came across the... uh, the player had time to shoot, and they were all late getting to their man, and that's why Mantha was wide open in front of the net.
1: All right. Thanks a lot, Max. We appreciate it. 780 Quick timeout. Oilers lose 4-zip. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center.
0: This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Now, from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins
1: on Oilers Radio, 630 Chan. Well, thanks a lot for joining us. Man, five weekends in a row. Eskimos win. Oilers lose. Now, this one wasn't on the same day, but we
4: had games within 24 hours. That's The problem is you want the Eskimos to win a couple more, too. You don't want them to have Well, to...
1: true, and they play the same day next <laughs> Sunday. The Eskimos are going to be in Winnipeg. I, we should let people know, Rob, because it's uh, never too early to start talking about a playoff game. Mm-hmm. The Eskimos in Winnipeg. Next Sunday at 2.30. It's on Kissin' Country 103.9, so one of our core stations. The coverage is going to start at 1.30. And on Ched, we'll have Oilers and Capitals with coverage starting at 3.30 and game at 5. So you know what you and I are going to have on the TV during Mm -hmm. the Face Off show. And uh, we may have to cheat and have a laptop and a TV going for a bit of the uh, overlap. And judging by the way the Eskimos go, that one may be decided near the end
4: they usually are with them and they're playing well. They're playing right well right now. So, hopefully this is uh one of uh, a few playoff games that we're going to see this this winter here or fall with the Edmonton Eskimos.
1: Yeah, Riley's been uh, playing well and adding CJ Gable at running back has, has really helped and they and they're getting healthier. I mean, you try not to t- talk too much about the injuries, but they had so many guys Hurt. You know, it was it was tough to keep going. Now guys are are coming back, so hopefully they're able to to get it done in Winnipeg, and then they would move on to play Calgary. As for the Oilers, it's been tough. They are four eight and one. Let's hear from Milan Lucic. What
9: was most disappointing about that performance for you guys tonight? Well, I think uh, you have
8: an opportunity to, to keep things going in the right direction after uh, an effort and a win like last game, and it doesn't happen. So it's just. You know, it just sucks that we have to start all over again. Um, you know, a chance to finish off a homestand in the right way before we go on the road, kind of feeling good about ourselves. And um, just, he says, it's disappointing to to come out uh, of a game like this. This trip coming up, is it possible to overstate the importance of it with you guys uh, in the situation you're in? For sure, I mean, I mean, it's on all of us, the, the hole that we've dug ourselves and um, eventually you got to start doing something about it and kind of stop, stop feeling sorry for yourselves and I think it comes down to the players taking over like we did last year and, uh, you know, playing the way that we can and when we, uh, that's, that's what it's going to take for it to turn around.
7: Great, that, Milan Lucic.
1: All right, thanks, Brendan, Milan, Lucic, commenting in the Oilers dressing room. And this this is going to be tough, Rob. This is going to be a long haul for, for the Oilers to, to get out of this, to, to try to push back towards better positioning in the standings. And I, I feel like the, the playoffs are the ultimate goal, and you, and you mm-hmm. hope they're going to get back. But I feel like let's not talk about playoffs. Let's not talk about five hundred. They gonna win two games in a row. I mean, to me, talking about playoffs is like talking about writing a novel when your kid just has only learned to print the letter A. I mean, they, they, the Oilers got to write A and B before we can talk about anything else.
4: I thought you were gonna go into that Jim Mora rant right there. Playoffs. Well, I may someday. Playoffs. I may someday. Who knows? <laughs> uh, well, right now they got to find a way to win one. I, well, good point. Yeah, they're, they're starting over. I, that's why i thought this was an important game tonight you know finish off the the homestand on a good note get a couple games in a row wins you feel confident about yourself then you go into this road trip uh a little less stressed instead they come off a, a losing homestand they they go in the road with just one team behind them in the standings here in the western conference and now the stress level is a little higher because a 500 record is is still pretty good on the road, but you know anything less than that, you're starting to say, "Okay, ooh, we are getting uh, quite a quite a ways behind the the eight ball here." So uh, there, as we've said, there's no easy teams. I believe that the Oilers have the ability to go on this road trip and win four straight but they also if they don't play up to their their the way they need to play if they don't get the goaltending they need the the specialty teams there's a chance they can go the opposite and they go no one for i i don't think this team is dominant and i don't think they've been dominated but they've got to execute better than they've been executing even in tonight's game there were opportunities to put the puck in the net they missed some golden opportunities Those pucks have to go in the net. When they have the opportunities to defend, to get the puck out, to have the right man defensive coverage, they got to make sure they execute properly because right now everything that they mess up seems to go in the net behind them.
1: Uh, Quickly, do you expect any drastic
4: lineup changes for Tuesday? Uh, I mean, when you say drastic.
1: Well, splitting up dry and McDavid, uh, call
4: up from the farm. See, I'm a huge fan, and you know that. I want dry playing with McDavid. But when you are where you are in the standings, and you're a team that outside of one or two games this season has put together a good offensive night, anything is on the table right now. So Tom McClellan could do just about anything in the next game, and I could say, yeah, you know what? Probably had to do that. Rob, have a great Sunday night. See you Tuesday. Sounds good. That is Rob Brown, our Inside the Game Analyst, and Tuesday is
1: our next Oilers broadcast at the New York Islanders, 3.30 in the afternoon for the face-off show. The game will start at 5. You can get more on the Oilers page on 630jet.com. Detroit thumping the Oilers for nothing this afternoon. Thanks to Troy Bowler, our engineer here at Rogers Place. Our studio producer at 630jet is Kellen Kennedy. This has been Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast. Center. My name is Reed Wilkins. Have a great night. Thanks for listening.